Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. My title this morning is Breaking the Mold. Or, you want to put another way, Renewing Your Mind. Our Heavenly Father has been speaking to our church over a theme over the last little while, which is, and I'll just go through some of them, what is truth? Identifying and eradicating lies. What do you believe? Working from the kingdom of God, from the kingdom of God mindset. I'll talk a bit about that today as well. Knowing his will, knowing his character. Wisdom. True change, transformation change. And last week, put the glass down talking about stresses and pressures and how we need to trust in him. So this morning I'm going to talk about breaking the mould. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Well, that sounds a, a wonderful target. To actually know test and approve God's will and to work my salvation and my life and our lives from that standpoint of knowing God's will and working within that God's will. So there's a couple of things that we need to consider as we, as we look at the scripture. That what is the requirement? How do we actually transform? How do we actually break the mould that we're in? And what does a renewed mind look like? So the first thing is the what. What is the requirement? It says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. What is the pattern of this world? We need to actually understand that. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. That's interesting. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture. What is our culture? How does it think? How does it act? Well, we know it's self-seeking, assertive, serving ourselves. If it feels good, it sounds like a good thing to do, Nina mentioned when she was talking about what do you believe? What is right is wrong. So what is, what is a biblical right seems to be wrong these days. And what is wrong seems to be right and okay and actually celebrated. The Bible is certainly not the measure in our culture today. In fact, you can't even mention it sometimes. People get upset. The law is not the measure. The law of the land. Because even that's changing to be certainly not scripturally based. Do what you like. The world is trying to frame our thinking. Our culture is trying to change us every day. Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter are now doing what the media has been doing for ages, which is to filter the narrative. Depending on what you post on on, uh, Facebook, now you might get a warning that comes up that says, well, this may or may not be true. Because they're trying to filter the narrative that we are all listening to as a society. 
Facebook even did a test about five or six years ago. And what they did, they actually started posting negative posts to certain people's feeds to see how they would react. They got the algorithm changed to, to start only showing negative things. And what they realised is as those negative things started coming to their feed, their posts also became negative. Isn't that interesting? Because what you think, what you read, what you, what you absorb becomes, if you're not careful, part of that narrative. They actually were going to run it for a couple of months and they closed it down after a month because of how effective it was. Now you've got to remember these companies are advertising companies. They're actually trying to get advertising. They want your eyeballs, so they're trying to keep you there. We listened to a TED talk in the last week. Why you should quit social media now. Very interesting. TED talks like 10 minutes on, on a particular topic, and this was a millennial who's never had any social media, talking about what it's done for him and why it was a good thing for him. Interesting. Reader's Digest. Article in 1980s. My mum used to get those little Reuters Digest uh, little magazines every, every month. And I remember reading one back in the 1980s and it talked about that Hollywood morality is 20 to 25 years ahead of society. And they were doing historically back from the 1980s. So they were looking back from, you know, when they first started posting these you know, Hollywood started to come on board, what was the morality of the day, what was the movies of the day, and, and worked out that there was about a 20, 25-year gap. I remember as a child that swearing in movies wasn't there. Now you can't go to a movie where they're being out stuck in there somewhere. And what's happened to our society as a result? It's part of the vernacular, it's part of the language. 20 years ago, they saw, you know, your boy and girl goes out for a date and the next thing you know, they, they, they get a little bit more intimate. And that's society. 20, 25 years ago, it's, it's expected. Ephesians 4, 17, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So not just on that side. What about the other side? Fears, their worry, economy, taxes, superannuation we heard about this morning. Wars, you'll hear wars and rumours of wars, Matthew tells us. But see to, you, see to it that you are not alarmed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So I'm going to look at conform. What does that mean? To accommodate, to adapt, to adjust, to reconcile. Interesting words. The actual conform to the pattern of this world is really like, like, like what I'm going to demonstrate here. This is, this is a, a, a brain, a sort of... Well, looks like a brain. I'm not that artistic. If it was me, you'd have no idea. But Caleb did this for me. So it has something that looks like a brain. And our brain's our soul, our decision-making. So if you look at our spirit and our flesh, our body, what sits in the middle of this is our soul, our thinking part of it that makes decisions. And what the world is trying to do is make us conform to this world. Whether it be in marketing that says you need a new car or whatever it happens to be, you need a nice car, all of these things are trying to drive us. And if this represents the world and this represents our mind, our decisions, what the world is trying to do is get us to conform to this world. It means to be depressed into a mould. 
and it comes through multiple ways. It comes through Facebook, it comes through people we talk to, those around us, and our brain ended up starting to look very much like what we're being pressed into. That is conforming to this world. This isn't what we're not to do. And if I manage to take it out in the second service, we start to look like the world we live in. Do not be conformed to this world. Another illustration for you. As I came to church this morning, I was, I was getting dressed and I decided that I'd really look good in a black jacket today. Now I like to wear jackets as I, as, I, as I speak because when I present in my workplace, I often wear a jacket. So black often looks good on me. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad. <laughs> now you're sitting there going, what's he talking about? That's blue. I have an 18-month-old grandson. If every time I picked up a blue ball or saw something blue, I pointed at it and told him he was, it was black. And if I was the only influence in his life, if I showed him a blue ball at 20, he would say, that's a black ball. And this is the trap of what's been around us is we actually start to believe in the lies that we've been taught. And society and culture trying to force us into this mould is now driving us into a situation that we start, we actually don't know what is what. And we start to believe a lie, or delusion as it's called. The children of Israel is a classic example. About 400 years under idol worship and as a slave. Wonderful, wonderful miracles to get them out of Egypt. They're in the desert, their leader goes away for 40 days but they've got a groove in their, mold, in their mind around idolatry. A few questions, a few thoughts, next you know, they're building an idol to go back to slavery. Doesn't it amaze you that they could even think of that, when it, what it took to get them out of there? It does me. But this is the importance of not conforming and having a renewed mind. They had a way of thinking that enabled them to believe a lie. In Romans it says it this way, in Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever to be praised. So we're not to conform to this world in, in any area because at the end of the day, the world we live in needs us to be different. How can we have an impact on this world if we look, speak and think like them? I remember one pastor of mine in my youth asking me, if you went on trial for, day to be a, for being a Christian would they have enough evidence? And I remember as a teenager thinking, oh, okay, so you're going to ask people around me, you're going to ask, what do I do, things that I do? He then asked me another question because he wasn't going to let me get away with much. He says, what would your defence attorney say to get you off? 
We had a chat with a, a, a cousin of uh, mine who was over for, um, actually his, his son, was over for lunch one day and he made the point, he said, you know, in this modern day, what would your phone say about you? He made the point that the phone may know you better than your spouse, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. What would it say in that trial? Scripture talks about renewing our mind and God designed our mind to change when we work on it. Science teaches us about creating new neural pathways throughout our life to make it easier to continue to think the same thought again and again, but we need to train it. Scripture also talks about how and where we're to fix our mind. If you fix on mind, if your mind on God, if you fix your thoughts on things that are excellent and praiseworthy, he gives you perfect peace and it changes the trajectory of your life. It changes what you believe. What you think about is going to determine how you behave, your relationship, who he says I am, what he says is possible, what about my calling in my life. Everything about us is coming through what we think about. So we have to start by identifying, placing, pla- identifying places in our thoughts which doesn't line up to scripture. And this can be really hard because if we've believed a lie like this black coat that I've had, we don't even know that we're believing that lie. And the only way we're going to do that is consistent study of the word of God and declaring his promises over our life. People have been told things over their life that is controlling their life, which is blatantly not true, but they don't know that. So how do we do that? I'm going to talk and say that a renewed mind starts with revelation. The transforming power of God. It starts with revelation. If I look at um, Moses, there he was in Pharaoh's house. He had a revelation that maybe he wasn't an Egyptian. And it got him thinking. How he reacted and how he acted, it's another whole other conversation. We end up in the backside of the desert. And he had an encounter with the living God through a burning bush that transformed the way he thought. They had a renewed mind who God was. A God that probably he didn't know until he realised he wasn't an Egyptian. And all of a sudden he's not conforming to the pattern of this world. He's trying to change it. I use Elijah as another example. King Ahab started putting um, worship idols all over the place. And he walks in to the king and says, 1 Kings 17, 1, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither Jew nor reign in the next few years except at my word. He had a revelation, he had a word of God and walked in boldly to the king and said, it's not going to rain until I say so. Now I'm sure they would have ignored him, discounted him. But I tell you what, after a couple of years they started looking for him. A couple of years without rain, all of a sudden they said, what happened to that Elijah guy? We need to go and find him. And it ended up with fire coming from, down from heaven 
over an altar. More closely to the scene, in Australia, Mark Niles and the declaration he makes that is countercultural, counter what everyone else is saying. People have had a revelation of who God is, and it should be every one of us. Jesus is a natural starting point when talking of, of a renewed mind. He grew up studying the scriptures, he debated with the teachers and priests in the temple at the age of 12. And he started his ministry. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Who's the kingdom of God? It's him. It's the Holy Spirit in him. Repent and believe the good news. And when Jesus started, he taught in the synagogues. He announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every kind of disease and illness. Acts 1.1. In my former book, Theopolis, Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. See, it's not just about the teach. It's not just about the word. It's a living word. And that living word has action. In this case, healing, casting out demons, all the things, all the miracles, raising from the dead. The word is a living word. And that word is alive and active. He was announcing the kingdom of God. And salvation is our entry point, And we'll talk about that right at the end. But most people repent enough to get forgiven, which is great. But do we repent enough? Or do we repent enough to get into the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom of God down? To open up our hearts that we can see what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes on the inferior, us. And the greater reality of that kingdom can transform whatever we are facing and what we're dealing with. And obviously, the renewed mind can start getting into the word of God, but many people study the Bible and cannot bring in the kingdom. They can quote scriptures. They can tell you all about the miracles that Jesus did 2,000 years ago but they can't produce one. They've never seen one. And sometimes they don't even believe it's possible in today. It's very sad because it's more than just the word. It's, it's, a, it's a word and do. Learning to minister out of the kingdom is the essence of the real gospel. It's just not to die and go to heaven. Now I'm very glad, I'm sure we all are, everyone who's hearing my voice today, that when we die we go to heaven. But that's not what our life is all about here, is just to die and go to heaven. Actually, my sister rang me up the other day. That's an interesting story. Looking for, my, looking for mum. Now, my mum's an elderly 29-year-old in denial, and she'd gone out but left her car at home. So she normally drives absolutely everywhere. So if the car's there, she's normally home. And my sister had checked on her daddy, had gone over, hadn't said, mum hadn't said anything about going anywhere, and the car was there and she was missing. And so she went searching around the house, in the shed, all over the place. And she was there for about half an hour thinking maybe she just walked up to the shops and, you know, ringing the phone, nothing. She then rings Nina. And Nina didn't answer. She's panicking now. She gets on to me and said, Is Nina there? 
And I said, yeah, I was just talking to her on the phone. He said, so she's here? I said, yes. He said, oh, thank goodness, I thought the rapture had come. <laughs> and if the rapture had come, they surely would have taken Nina. Thank you, sister. <laughs> Our assignment is not just to go to heaven and to get, get into the, uh, the meeting in the sky. It's to bring his kingdom here. Jesus said, go. The prayer that Jesus taught was, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. That is our commission. It's to bring the kingdom of God down on earth and influence this earth. And we need a renewed mind to get that mindset to do that. Salvation opens the door to heaven's reality. He's broken the power of sin in our life. That would be great if we didn't sin anymore. But it shouldn't be our profession. We're supposed to not conform to the pattern of this world. We're supposed to renew our mind. His kingdom, his life is now our profession. And the way to get a renewed mind is repentance. It's an introduction to what he is and then I begin to think according to his nature. Faith doesn't come from the mind, it comes from the heart. Now when you read the word, the word uh, brings faith. Faith comes from every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And it comes from the mind and gets into our heart. And our heart believes. And I see a renewed mind as almost the channel for faith to work through into this world. It's not a product of striving. It's based on my surrender. It's my nature in Christ to be a person of faith. And the renewed mind is a context to that. Coming back to Jesus. John 14, 9. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Why did Jesus come? Came for a few reasons. Came to take away the sin of the world. Absolutely. Destroy the works of the evil one, very much so. To pay the price of sin. So many things I can say why he came. One overwhelming thing is he came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father's heart, the love of the Father for us. To reveal the kingdom of God, which is a, a loving Father that wants us in his kingdom. And to have this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The Old Testament was all about the severity of sin and all sorts of things like that, the law, the lost condition of humanity, and we're unable with our own devices to achieve or get to the righteousness of God. But there isn't an answer outside of Jesus. There's only one way to God, and that's to God the Father through Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate renewed mind. John 7.10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Well, that's interesting. Jesus spoke the words of the Father. He didn't do anything on his own. John 5.19 says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does... The son does also. One of the things about Jesus on earth, he so limited his deity to humanity. 
So everything he did was as a man, not as an all-powerful God. So every miracle, every drive out of the demon, every resurrection was based on his relationship with the Father, his communion with the Father, through the Holy Spirit, working through him. Now, if he did it as the Son of God, he did fantastic. I can, I can, I can say that, wow, that was amazing. But for him to do it as a human, with the Holy Spirit working through him, in exactly the same way I am supposed to do, is a challenge to me. Is a challenge to us. Because he said, greater things will you do than I do. How can we do that if because we're not the son of God's or not the son of God? We don't have all power. But if he did everything through the Holy Spirit in communion with the Father, that gives us hope that we can bring the kingdom of God to this earth into our situations. So we can work in that same way with that same renewed mind, transform. And what's it for? Because we know the perfect will of God. We can test and approve the perfect will of God. Ephesians 5.1, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. So when he was tempted, he used the scripture, just like we need to do. When he was oppressed, he was relying on the Holy Spirit's strength to get him through situations just like we do or we should do. You see, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the Old Testament that he used key people. The New Testament shifted it so that every one of us can be involved. The Holy Spirit is in you and he wants to get out. We sing that song, From the Inside Out. And that's true. Ephesians 5.1, follow God's example. And it's more than talk. It's more than words. It's words with action. We've already talked about faith without works is dead. Reading the Bible is great. Studying the word is good. But we need to have action behind it. We live in a society where we can go to university, get taught by someone who has not succeeded in that area, in the area we are taught. Business schools, for example, can be taught by people who have never owned a business. There was actually a statement, and sorry for all the educators in the room, if you can't, if you can do, do. If you can't do, Teach. As I did, I did apologise ahead of time. <laughs> Grace, mercy, please. <laughs> Romans 12, 2, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing will. He actually asked us several times, ask what you will and it will be done. Several times, three times, within three chapters, I think it is. It takes a renewed mind to process that. Because a non-renewed mind think, oh boy, I like that Ferrari. I will have one of those in my driveway. We tend to use it in a non-renewed mind, conforming to this world, for our own ego. But that's not what it was all about. It's all about his kingdom through us that he can say, ask what you will and it will be done. If you have the renewed mind, you get it. 
and a renewed mind, as per Jesus. Jesus never told us how to have an unanswered prayer because he didn't have any. Because every prayer that he uttered was again inspired. The Holy Spirit working through him to bring the kingdom to earth. Now, Jesus had to try and teach his disciples these lessons. That was an interesting exercise. Did you go through the Bible? Because <laughs> they didn't always get it. Mark 4.35. I'm going to go through a couple of stories and we're just going to talk about the lessons that he was trying to teach his disciples around the renewed mind. Mark 4.35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Now the little boats were also in him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat in the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm, but he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now I have heard many a sermon on this scripture. And in verse 38, it says, A great windstorm was up and he was asleep. Now I've heard somebody say that, oh, well, he wasn't really asleep because, you know, Jesus never slept. Well, he actually did. He was human. He needed to sleep. Just as we said before, he was ministering out of his humanity, filled with the Holy Spirit, so he didn't need sleep. My Bible says he needs sleep, so I believe that he, need, he was asleep. He wasn't lying there waiting with one eye open, waiting for his disciples to come. He was asleep. We all agree he's asleep? I'm glad. I was getting worried there for a second. So they woke him. They asked, don't you care? He stilled the storm and then asked, where is your faith? So who is Jesus? He's the son of God. He's God. What do we, t- what do we call today when we're talking to God? Prayer. So they prayed, they woke him, they prayed, he answered their prayer and then asked, where is your faith? I'll say it again. They woke him, they prayed, he answered their prayer and then asked, where is your faith? Because he was teaching to bring the kingdom of God to this earth, to have a renewed mind. God wants us to see what is happening with a renewed mind, a kingdom mind. As we mature, we live from the place of authority and act. Then step out in faith, rather than petitioning him to do the changes. There are many times when we're sitting there praying God to do it and he said, whoa, 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 I've sent you. Where is your faith? Oh, Heavenly Father, bind up whatever the problem is. Hold it, whatever you, us, we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Oh, Father, Remove that mountain in my life. You speak to that mountain. Faith as small as a mustard seed. You speak to that mountain and it will be moved. Cast into the sea.
He's asking us to step out and do. He was training them to speak rather than petition. Nothing wrong with asking, petitioning God, don't get me wrong. There are times where we need to be acting rather than asking God to act because he's left us in charge. Renewed minds, the second point, knows where they stand and know God's will in the situation according to Romans 12 too. Know the test and try the perfect will of God. We know what God's will is so we can work with authority into every situation. The other thing I see is how a person is allows them to minister. Jesus was at peace in the storm. He was sound asleep. And out of that place he was at, from the inside out, kingdom thoughts, he could minister peace to that storm. The third thing, God will enable what he asked us to do. Verse 35 said, let us cross to the other side. Why do you think, disciples, that he'd want you dead? Don't you care that we're drowning? The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It is measurable. How free are we? Let's continue the training ground. Mark 6, two chapters later. And looking at time, I'm going to summarise this first bit. Apostles gathered around and reported to him all they had done and taught because he just sent them out and they've just come back and praising the Lord because even the demons obeyed. But so many were coming, he said, oh, come on, let's get away. Let's get away as, as a group. So they hopped in a boat, went across to the other side and while they were getting across, all the people started walking around the shore so by the time they got out of the boat, the people were already there. And of course Jesus did his compassionate thing and started teaching, seeing as they've walked all that way and, and doing what he does best. Now the disciples probably a bit miffed because they thought they were going to have some alone time with Jesus. And so they thought they'd come to him and say, do the compassion thing too. Hey, you better send them away. Send them away so they can get some food. And Jesus said, I know what you're up to. You give them food. About that time they panicked and started counting the cost because there's a few of the disciples that are very into numbers, which is actually quite interesting to watch Chosen and just watch that in, in action. And... Um, he ended up asking him, you know, what have you got? And they said, five loaves, two fishes. And I think loaves is, you know, small loaves. I'm not thinking semi-trailers uh, uh, semi you know, is a loaf. They were small loaves and a couple of fish. And we're not talking about whales. They were two fish that they could carry. So he broke them up into 12 baskets and off the disciples went. How many did they collect, 12 baskets? Hold that thought. So they got 12 baskets, come back, and straight away after that, we, go, we continue to read on. By the way, there was 5,000 men, which probably means about 12,000 by the time you had women and children, maybe up to 17,000, depending on the crowd. With five loaves and two fishes. So... Straight after that, he sends them away. Jesus made, in verse 45, oh, I got that. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go on ahead in, up, 
ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving him, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. Now that was a vision. There's no way he could see them. It was, it was dark. It was cloudy, stormy. They were in the middle of the lake. He couldn't see them physically. It was a vision. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake and was about to pass them by. Have you ever wondered about that? About to pass them by? But when they saw him walk on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Many spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. They hadn't understood about the loaves. That was just eight, ten verses beforehand. They hadn't understood about the loaves. See, Jesus was teaching him from a renewed mind to have a kingdom mindset. And what they failed to realise about the loaves was the loaves and the fish were multiplying in their hands. Because they were taking the baskets around and just kept on going around and around to, let's say 10,000 to keep it simple, 10,000 people. And it was multiplying as they were giving it out. Jesus did the first miracle and they continued that miracle. And they didn't understand the loaves because they failed to see that God wanted them to do and to teach. God wanted them to have a renewed mindset. And he was hoping this second time in the boat they would have faith and speak to the storm, speak to the wind. They'd been rowing for hours. It's a two-hour journey across this lake. And from night to early in the morning, almost dawn it says, they'd been rowing. And they failed to understand the loaves. See, the renewed mind sees God's purposes in everything. The renewed mind sees the will of God, knows the will of God, understands the will of God and acts with the will of God. They were... They were confident when Jesus was in their boat, but they didn't realise Jesus was in their boat in his words and deeds. He said, go to the other side. That's all they needed to know and they were going to get there. The renewed mind lives with the realisation that God enables what he commands. He said, you feed them. He put them on the track and it multiplied. They had this thought if Jesus was in their boat, they could die at sea. Yet they were willing to talk to a ghost because they were so fearful. Work that one out. Renewed mind is a gateway to the unseen reality into this world, of the unseen reality into this world. It's a channel for faith to work. We have a privilege to be part of what God wants to do in this world but being so easily distracted. The renewed mind is a kingdom mind. It takes the living word of God, adds faith and makes things happen. So how about today? Well, first of all, we need to not conform 
the pattern of this world. And the facilities manager is very glad I didn't get a glass table right now because we've got to smash it. And so I've had enough of that. I don't want to be conformed to this world any longer. I want to be conformed to the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 1.23 said, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. And it starts at repentance. Repentance called for, and I'm going to read this out, it's on the screen. Throughout the Bible is a summons to a personal, absolute and ultimate unconditional surrender to God as sovereign. Though it includes sorrow and regret, it's more than that. It's a call to conversion from self-love, self-trust and self-assertion to obedient trust and self-commitment to now live for God and his purposes. This is a change of mind that involves a conscious turning away from wrong actions, do not be conformed to this world, attitudes and thoughts that conflict with a godly lifestyle and biblical commands, an intention towards doing that which the Bible says pleases God. In repenting, one makes a complete change of direction. That's what repentance is, a change of direction. I'm not conforming this to all. Okay, I'm going this way. I'm going towards the kingdom of God. I want the kingdom of God. I want to have a renewed mind. The kingdom of God is where I want to be. I want to bring this part of thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to be about bringing the kingdom, and I'm sure we all want to be about bringing the kingdom to this world. Bringing the kingdom of God into every situation that we are faced, into our workplaces, into our families, into our homes. Bringing the kingdom of God into those situations. Secondly, continue to renew our minds. The essence of who we are in Christ is to establish his kingdom. We need a kingdom mindset, which means we need to get into the word of God and understand it and live it. We need to have his Holy Spirit working through us to overflowing. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. We're meant to be a river out of our innermost beings. Rivers of living water will flow. I think we've all been there at some point. We sit there and say, oh Lord, Lord, And we're a lake. It never goes anywhere. All comes in, stays here. But the word of God needs to be acted upon, which is doing. A river has an in point and an out point. We need to be a river passing through, allowing God's spirit to work through us. Third point, processing things through his word. Get into the word of God. And fourthly, sensitive to his spirit. As we read the word, we need to be sensitive to his spirit. Do not merely listen to the word, says James. So deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But what if but whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Now Nina tells me many a times, you know, you've come out of the bathroom, you said, what's this thing on your face? 
Because I looked at the mirror and just ignored it and just kept on walking. Don't laugh. But that's not what we're supposed to be about. As we read the word of God, we need to see. We need to open our eyes, ask the Spirit, Holy Spirit, to speak to us through it. God, what, what are you asking me to do? What am I not seeing? What lies have I believed in about myself or about your will? God, speak to me today. I'm listening. Be sensitive to his spirit. As we close, what does a renewed mind look like? I've got a couple of points here and this is not a definitive list, it's just something I've jotted down and something to think about. One of the things about a renewed mind, we have to realise that sometimes our thoughts or the way we interpret our experience is not always the truth. Sometimes we allow our experience to drive our reality rather than the word of God. And we need to change that as well. We need to say, okay, yeah, that happened, but what does the word say? And take that instead. A renewed mind knows God's will. Very definitely in Romans 12 too. Test and approve God's will. A renewed mind knows to be part of life, but not influenced by it, but rather influence it. A renewed mind brings the kingdom mindset and kingdom influence to every sphere that they inhabit. A renewed mind is in the word. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is active and alive. I said that the other way around. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Six, the word becomes experience. Holy Spirit inspired. Word and deed. Seven, you live in hope. Any thought in your mind that doesn't inspire hope is rooted in a lie. Have you ever thought of that? Any thought that is depressed or, or somehow negative is not rooted in truth and is more than likely a lie. So when something goes wrong, a transformed, renewed mind thinks, oh, that's going to work out because all things work together for good. That's a promise. Eight, the impossible seems reasonable. Hey, that's a challenge, isn't it, for a new mind? The impossible seems reasonable. Oh. Yes, please, Lord. You live in peace. You don't worry. Any speculation you have is positive. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we're destroying speculations, every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of God. Number 10, you like yourself. Even though you've got weaknesses, you rejoice in them because when I am weak, he is strong. A renewed mind knows even when I'm weak, the Holy Spirit can come in, I can get a kingdom mindset in that weakness. I can lean on him and he can be my strength. You are quick to forgive. 
and freely give others grace and mercy. In other words, you don't hold offences, and I've talked about that before. We know how to confront in love, but everything we do has that love of God, that kingdom mindset flowing through it. And finally, I think a kingdom mindset is not idle. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. We're equipped for every good work. I'm going to finish with the scripture, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, meditate on those things. Spend your time in those things. Whatever you learned, received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. That's not just about thinking, it's doing. And the God of peace will be with you. So we looked at Romans 12, 2. We looked what it meant to not conform to the pattern of this world and destroying those thoughts, taking every thought captive. We looked at what a renewed mind is like and I'm sure we all want a renewed mind. To be able to think out of a kingdom purpose, out of the spiritual kingdom that we are a part of. And now we can test and approve what God's will is and act in that positivity, in that authority that he has given us. I've asked Andy to, to sing, Lord, I give you my heart, give you my soul. And it's just a song of dedication because this is my desire. And as we sing, make, make this our prayer today. And after we sing, I'm going to get to Caleb to come up and close. And just give it for those who, who, aren't, who aren't, haven't started this journey, that they may start this journey. Thank you. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.